The Ad Couch by Jake McKenzie, and available on theadcouch.com, where psychology meets creative advertising. This is podcast number five. On the couch today is Jake McKenzie. Today, we're going to be talking about the consistency principle. Now, the consistency principle is fairly simple. It means that we have an internal desire to be consistent between what we say and how we act. Now, this concept is awfully closely related to the commitment principle and frequently gets confused. In fact, sometimes even when I'm talking about it, I intermingle the two because they're very closely related. The consistency principle is slightly different than the commitment principle. Um, It says that we have a drive, a really strong drive, between what we say and what we do. So you can see how it might relate to the commitment principle. So that when we do something, we want to remain committed to what we do. And and, and in that, we're trying to be consistent. But there's a slightly different piece here. Um, It's based upon the principle that we determine who people are based on their words and their actions. Now, that seems fairly straightforward, and it's not really surprising since, you know, we can't get into people's heads. We can't see what people are thinking. But what's really surprising to most people is that our brain applies the exact same rules to ourselves. We determine who we are based off of our words and our actions. And what this means that our actions can trump even our own thoughts. So what we do has a great effect on who we are. Now, that's kind of a a paradigm-changing concept, and so bear with me as we share a few examples of how we've come to this conclusion. In the mid-1960s, there was this original piece of research by some researchers, uh, Friedman and Fraser, and they did this study that at the time was frankly astounding. What they did is they went door-to-door in this California neighborhood, and they made a preposterous request. They asked each of the homeowners if they could put up a very large public service billboard right on the front lawn, facing the road. And they even took it a a step further to make sure that it was really absurd. They showed people a photo that depicted a really attractive house with this giant billboard right in front of it, obscuring the view of the house and anything in front of it, just so that people got an idea of how big and absurd this was. And even the billboard itself was really poorly designed. The lettering of the sign, which simply said, drive carefully, was a bit crooked and out of alignment. Now, as you might imagine, nearly everyone refused their request outright. No, of course, we're not going to put a giant drive-carefully billboard on our front lawn obscuring all of our views. However, they ran the experiment a second time. And what they found is that they could get the acceptance rate up to 76%. That's right. Three out of every four people agreed to put this sign on their front lawn for absolutely no compensation. Wow. Wow. Something amazing is going on here. How are they able to get very reasonable people to do something that on the face of it seemed quite absurd? Well, what had happened was when they ran the experiment the second time, they had gone in two weeks earlier with the same group of people, and they approached them with a much more minor request. Do you mind if we put a really tiny sign in the front of your house? It was literally three square inches, and the sign said, be a safe driver. And they told them it was to help make our road safer. Well, because it was such a trifling request, nearly everybody accepted it. 
And then two weeks later, they showed back up with the much larger request of putting the billboard on their front lawn. And it went from nearly universal rejection to nearly universal acceptance. And it was simply because they had accepted the initial small request that the acceptance of the larger request went up considerably. And what we found out that was going on here is when people accepted that small initial request, their view of themselves changed. They started to think of themselves as civic-minded citizens that really cared and had a passion about safe driving. So later in this new framework, when they uh, were requested to do something much bigger that was still in alignment with that new concept of themselves, they agreed, even when the request itself was a little absurd. And we can see the consistency principle at play here. You get somebody to say something about themselves. I am a civic-minded person that cares about safe driving. And then later, you can ask much larger requests of that same individual. And because of the consistency principle, they will act in alignment with how they have chosen to express themselves. And this concept, as you see, can be an incredibly powerful one. We've seen it applied in uh, some other areas as well. The American Cancer Society did a, a fairly famous experiment with a gentleman by the name of Stephen Sherman. He called around uh, in a neighborhood and asked people to predict what they would do if a researcher came and, and asked them to give three hours of their time to help fundraise for the American Cancer Society. Now, the initial request wasn't asking them to actually go fundraise, but simply to predict what they would do if somebody asked them. Well, of course, like all of us, they wanted to seem that they were good people and um, you know, civic-minded, wanting to help people out. So pretty much everybody said, yeah, sure, I'd, I'd be happy to help out. Well, because no commitment was asked of them at the time, uh, overwhelmingly uh, replied that they would help volunteer. Well, a few days later, people did show up in, in these neighborhoods and asked people to be a volunteer fundraiser. Now, of the people who had responded positively in the survey, they found that they were 700% more likely to be a volunteer than people who had never been given the survey in the first place. Now, that's an incredibly powerful concept. How could they increase the likelihood by 700% that you're going to do something simply by asking you ahead of time? Well, of course, you can see that they were trying to tap into the consistency principle. You ask them if they are, were likely to do something, and you elicit a yes response. Yeah, I'm that sort of person. And then later, you ask them if they're genuinely willing to do that thing. Well, of course, we have this drive to be consistent. In fact, the drive to be consistent is an unbelievably powerful concept in most of human psychology. We have an obsessive desire to be consistent with our external expression. If you simply think about the words that we use around the concept of consistency, they're really powerful. Synonyms for being consistent are logical, rational, stable, honest, and perhaps as important, the synonyms for being inconsistent are really negative words, things that we have uh, strong negative associations with, like indecisive, confused, two-faced, mentally ill, or even insane. All words that we use to talk about people that aren't consistent, that don't do what they say they're going to do. And we drill into our children from a very young age this concept of doing what you say you're going to do and being consistent. And thus, the brain begins to rewire itself because we want to have that internal consistency. And there's a few keys to how this principle uh, can be seen to work. Uh, the first is that spoken statements shape our own behavior about ourselves and our beliefs about ourselves. So if I say something about myself, even if I don't really mean it, even if I was prodded to say it, it will begin to shape how I view myself. 
We can take it a step further in that we know written statements are even more powerful when it comes to shaping our psychology, our own view of ourselves, and shaping our own behavior. So if you want to set a goal, as an example, and change your behavior, if you want to get in shape, well, you could simply start by telling people, hey, I want to get in shape. I'm going to get in shape. If you want to take it a step further, you write it down because that requires more cognitive engagement than simply saying it aloud. And by simply writing it, it makes it much more likely to become true. See, for others, people will think that a statement reflects the true attitude of a person who made the statement. Now, that doesn't surprise us because that's how we evaluate people, what you say about yourself and how you act. Now, what is surprising is that people will continue to think that about you even if they know that the person did not freely make that statement. So if I can get somebody to say something, even if I induce them to say something, people will believe that is true of them even if they know they didn't make it of their own free will, even if they know there was something else going on there. That's really a powerful concept and lets you know how much we value what people say about themselves. And talking about yourself and writing about yourself is incredibly powerful, but if you want to make it more powerful yet, make it a public commitment. Say something out loud where other people can hear you. That is the most powerful of all in terms of shaping human behavior. And it's also the reason why if you're having a political debate with somebody, it's completely pointless and a waste of your time if you're trying to change their beliefs. The very act of having a public discussion with somebody only hardens the position they have because of the consistency principle. If they put forth an idea, they want to be right, and they will realign their beliefs and behavior to be internally consistent. Now, the concept is a broad one, and I think you can see how it can be used to shape some human behavior. Now, let's make that transition into the marketing space. How can marketers use that concept to shape how people think and how they act? Now, remember, it's all about that internal alignment between what you say, your external expression, and what you actually do. So we'll start with one that uh, was used early on, and marketers knew this um, from early stages of advertising, and it's called the lowball tactic. Um, and the lowball tactic we've talked a little bit about, but it's particularly um, applicable here when we're talking about consistency. Now, the way it works is, is really simple. A marketer will offer what is seen to be a ridiculously good deal. Maybe it's something at 50% off or hundreds of dollars below what the competition is willing to sell it for. You see a lot of this at certain times of the year, the doorbuster sales, uh, the Black Friday sales, the end of the year sales, clearance sales, those sort of things. Now, often the retailer will have very little intention of broadly honoring that agreement. Now, it may simply be that the TV they advertised at 50% off, well, they've only got three of those in inventory. Or it may be that the car that they are selling for $500 below invoice, well, they might only have one of those. Or it might be in a condition of which you're not really interested in it. Maybe it doesn't have air conditioning in it, and that's something you absolutely have to have. Now, the intent here is not necessarily to sell that product but rather to get people who are in the shopping mind frame and see that promotion to think, you know what, I am going to buy. Because once you make that mental switch of I am going to buy, you're now employing the consistency principle. So people come in ready to buy. They think they're going to buy that day. And even though they don't end up buying the product that they came in on, they're dramatically more likely to walk away buying a product, period. So what retailers do is they end up pushing you upwards into a product that costs a little bit more, maybe a little bit different than uh, what you wanted uh, to buy. But they are all employing the consistency principle to guide marketing behaviors. Now, the consistency principle certainly is used in 
marketing, but it is most frequently thought of when we talk about retention and loyalty. Um, and you can internally see why and, and see how it's closely related to the commitment principle. Once you do business with somebody, once you buy a product, you're highly committed to them because you have just shown the world that I believe in this decision that I've made. And, you're, and you want to be seen as internally consistent. I did it. I bought it. It was a good idea. And I want to reinforce that that was a good idea. And I want everybody to think that. So here's where it uh, comes into play. You'll see, um, and this has been a, a one that has a longstanding heritage of testimonials and even testimonial contests. And this is where companies will ask some of their customers to write a statement, a positive statement that says something like, answer the following question, why I like, insert product name, so why I like Ovaltine, and then dot, 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 and ask the consumers to fill out the rest of the sentence. And there's never any purchase required. And often the statements are not ever even shown on the web or on any sort of other marketing vehicles. You just mail them in. Now, for people not familiar with the consistency principle, you're thinking, well, that was a waste of time. Why did they do that? Why did they give a discount on their product or any other incentive that they were offering? And the answer you probably see now is that they want you to advocate. They want you to write a statement of, here's why I like it. Because once you do that, it becomes true in your own brain. And you're much more likely to actually like that product to want to buy that product again and continue being a loyal customer. And in fact, some of these testimonial uh, contests take it a step further. They'll have you copy an existing statement where you're not even coming up with an original thought. You're simply writing out the statement that they told you to write out because it has a very similar effect. And I've even seen a few of these where they ask you to trace the statement, you know, copy our logo write out our uh, tagline and try to do it in the same font we do, even sometimes providing kind of see-through paper so that you can do it. All of them have a very similar effect because the brain is hardwired to take our external expression, our spoken and written thought, and to realign itself so that we begin to believe those things that we just did. Now, in the digital space, we're seeing this manifest itself in a very new way um, and one that you're likely all very familiar with. On Facebook, it's the like button. And every social media platform has a version thereof. And it's a very powerful symbol of commitment. So if you've gone out and liked a brand that you um, do business with, whether it's Coca-Cola or Toyota or really anything at all, what you are doing is telling to the world that I have an affinity for this brand. Now, it's really simple to do. In fact, they put the like button in front of you on a regular basis. But the strength of that commitment, even though it's just clicking a mouse button, is incredibly profound. Because think about what you've done. You physically engaged, and you've just announced to the world, everybody that you have a relationship with, that I'm a fan of this brand. And the consistency principle says that we are going to realign our brain to do that thing that we just said. We are going to be a fan of that brand. We are going to be loyal to those product and services. Now, marketers know this, and that's part of the reason they want you to be brand fans, and also so they can continue to communicate to you. And it's also why they're going to try to encourage you to give reviews or positive feedback of any sort at any place about their product. And thus, springing up, marketing's pushing you into places like Yelp or Amazon reviews or Dealerator for the automotive space or TripAdvisor uh, for the travel industry and dozens and dozens of other review sites. Now, it used to be they were put up so that you could get unbiased reviews, but marketers realized that they can get you to go give a positive review, and they want you to do that just after you've bought a product because the commitment principle, which we've talked about, says that that is the point at which you're happiest with your purchase. So right after you've made the purchase, they want you to go and provide a review. 
Well, because you're likely to be happy with your uh, purchase decision because of the commitment principle. Once you write about it, the consistency principle kicks in, and that optimizes for them the affinity of your product. That's when you're happiest, and it cements in that positive association, and it dramatically increases the likelihood of repeat business. So we can see this is an incredibly powerful concept. But it does have a few limitations that are worth talking about. The first, and perhaps most important, is it really is most effective when there is no external pressure. For instance, we want you to own those statements. And one common example I like to use as a parent is I've got kids, and we want our kids to do well in school. And, you know, I've seen a lot of parents offer their kids um, financial incentives. Hey, I'm going to give you uh, $5 for every A that you get. But the consistency principle tells us that that's the wrong approach because what it does is it gives them an external reason to get grades, whereas we want an internal reason to get grades. So a consistency principle would simply to encourage your kids to say, I want to get A's. And thus, there's no external incentive to dilute that motivation. In fact, giving them money to get grades will have the opposite effect because internally the brain is going, well, you don't really want to get A's. You're only doing this because there's an external incentive, because you're being paid, rather than getting A's because that's who you really are. And that's a big delineation when you're trying to apply the consistency principle. The second major limitation of applying the consistency principle has to do with culture. In 2003, P.K. Petrova ran a study that wanted to ex explore those differences. So he ran a similar consistency experiment between people from the United States and people from Asian cultures. And what he found is that both groups were affected by the consistency principle. They both responded to it in terms of accepting future requests. But people from the U.S. responded at a much higher rate. And he theorized that it had to do with our cultural uh, experiences, that in the U.S. we have a very individualistic culture, that we value the, the role of the individual, whereas in most, more of the Asian cultures, they had more of a collective mentality, um, which helped them be less affected by the consistency principle as they were, had value for what the group would respond to. And so we can see that there's some limitations to this powerful principle, but we can see that particularly in the space of loyalty and retention, it can be an incredibly powerful driver of shaping human behavior. Questions or comments? Tweet us at the AdCouch or visit us at theadcouch.com.